Welcome, everybody, to the Independent Broker Podcast. Today, we have Tracy with us. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. As usual, we let our guests introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got started in real estate, and then smash cut to today, how many agents you have in your brokerage, and how do you guys operate? I'll try to make it short. My then husband and I and the kids moved here from New Jersey 10 years ago, and I have a degree in art, and that's all I did when we were living in Jersey, I had my art business. And when we moved here, we got divorced and I needed to find something to do that was that I could get a license or train very quickly to do. I've always renovated houses and I thought this could be something that I could really be interested in. So I got my real estate license 2013. And as soon as I could get my broker's license, which was 24 months under another broker. I went ahead and did that. And I opened up my brokerage a year after that. I currently have four agents that work for me. I have a rotating number of agents that are in my referral division. So they just refer business and they remain voluntarily inactive. And that's about it. My mother works for me. She's one of my agents. Interesting. We'll touch that that one a little bit later. <laughs> so let's start with where is here. I believe you're in Florida, right? Yes, we're on the Gulf uh, side of Gulf Coast of Florida. Awesome. So that explained the the referral division thing. That's a Florida thing. Can you explain to because we have our audience from all over the country? Can you explain really quick what is the referral division? Yes. Yeah, so they don't have to be a part of NAR and FAR. And they can, all they have to do is keep up with their licensing requirements. So their CEs, their post license uh, requirements, and then they can be in referral status. And basically all they do is they take someone's name and contact information. They give it to me and then they can collect a, they can collect commission when we close. So basically as a broker, you can have non-realtor agents under you as long as they're not active other than just doing referrals yeah they're licensed but no they're agents they're sales people they're not realtors and yeah so they're under me and it's under a separate division not every brokerage offers that setup and honestly it's not really lucrative (laughs) i know a lot of other brokers I went into a, I went to a conference for a couple of independent brokers. They all got together in, in Orlando and a lot of them wanted to know, oh, how is it set up? And, oh, how does this work? And how does that work? And I'm like thinking to myself, like, it's not, I don't make any money doing that. It's really just on the off chance that they do come across a deal, but I've had people in that referral division for I don't know, three or four years and haven't gotten anything from them. Got it. So it's just a way to keep the license active without paying the NAR and the other association, realtor association fees. It's interesting that you guys have it down there because here in Texas, we don't have something like this. If we have an agent under our license, then our local realtor association is going to hunt us down until they're part of the board or else. Okay. 
So you have four agents. We're going to put aside the referral division going forward. So you have four agents that are active underneath you. Are you operating as independent agents or you're operating as a team model where you have a team lead and, and buyer's agent and stuff like that? I think it's with some of my agents, it's like a hybrid. So my mother just, there's certain things that she doesn't feel comfortable doing. She doesn't like to do them. So her and I team up for all of her deals. I have one agent who basically doesn't need any guidance at all. Every once in a while, she has an unusual situation, but for the most part, she's hands off. It's more everybody's independent, except probably just for my mother and I. Okay. And that makes sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of challenges that come with working with mom, right? Yes. I can imagine if I had to work with mine, right? How does the commission structure look like for your agents? So I just came up with a new commission structure. I did have, I was, I did have a 50-50 for all brand new agents where I was going to take care of the majority of their paperwork. I was going to train them. I don't have anybody in-house to do trainings because I'm not a large brokerage. Any of the newbies would come in at 50-50 and then typically three transactions and then you would move to an 80-20. But I was finding that this model wasn't really working and I had to go back and think about the different situations because the biggest thing for me is my time because mm -hmm. I'm still producing and I do a great business and I do all of it off of word of mouth and referrals. So I, I've been toying around with a couple of different things. Two years ago, I signed on to Sync, which was used to be Commissions Inc., and set everything up through them. So they did my, they created my website. I've got the ads that they run for me and I've got the dialer system with it. And really it, I got set up with that as a way to recruit because I was thinking that most agents starting out in the business, I was finding that most agents feel are not the type of personalities. I don't know why that to make cold calls. I don't know what baffles me. I've worked with so many new agents and, and I have gotten to the point that I don't think I ever want to again, because they just have this mindset. The last one I had fired probably about six or eight months ago, he just wouldn't do what I told him to do. And I don't understand it. So I got the sync system thinking that there are already people that have clicked on an ad and these would be easier to call, you know? What for whatever reason there was, I had two agents that ended up that I ended up firing another agent that I fired a, a year after that, but they just weren't using the system for what it, what it needed to be used for. You have to do the follow-up. You have to, it's not just about making the phone calls. You can't make the phone call, contact somebody, and then think that six months later, when they're ready to buy, they're going to come back and call you. So it's that teaching agents how to newer agents, how to nurture the leads was really frustrating. So then I went back. Oh, and my commission split on anything that was a lead out of sync was 60, 40. When I asked around to all my other independent brokers, they said any brokerage provided lead they had set up at 50, 50. So I figured I was doing something better, putting them on 60, 40. 
Okay. And, and I explained to all of them, all your personal deals are 80-20. So I get it if you are too busy with your personal deals to, to make the phone calls, then just be honest with me and I can shut those leads off. And then when I reevaluated recently, I am taking just a whole different approach. I'm not recruiting with sync. I'm just going to, I just hired an ISA. I'm going to keep sync for myself and have the ISA make the phone calls and take the information, make those initial contacts and, and then restructure the commission for everyone else. So basically if there's no hand holding, I'm going to a 90, 10 and I don't have any other fees except a yearly fee of $150 for E&O. Okay. And do you have any caps on that or it's 90, 10 with no caps? 90, 10. Right now it's 90, 10 with no caps. If somebody came to me and, and said, I, I want a cap on it, it would probably be 20,000. Okay. Understood. So let you answered a lot of the questions we usually ask. Are you still in production? And you said, yes. And what is your commission structure? So let's talk about the sync for example. You're not the first broker we talked to that is using this system. What is your, and again, if you're not comfortable sharing, just say so it's okay. What are you com- currently spending with them? What, how, what volume of leads are you getting for that span? And what is your conversion rate from that system? So <clears throat> I, re- I really don't think that you could take my numbers and make them and really hone in on what my ROI is because I had one agent that was making those calls consistently. And within three months, she had two closings just from sync. And, but then we had her and I had issues and I had to fire her and she left. So that was the person that was making the phone. So then I had gotten three more people that joined my brokerage. It's just a bunch of Tracy. I was making the phone calls. I said, Alicia, you were not making the phone calls. I can see every morning I get a report that says you're not making the phone calls. So I had just a bad, the other situations that were going on just didn't make it a good situation for me to look back at the numbers and say, this is working or this is not working. I had so many other distractions in my business that, so my boyfriend and I talked about it extensively and I said, you know what? I think I just, I was just saying like 10 minutes before getting on the call. Some people say I have control issues. I don't think I do, but nobody makes the phone calls. Like I make the phone calls and I sit with these agents and I'm like, even the ones that are not brand new, but they've come over from another brokerage. They've never made these phone calls before. And they, it's like, they completely freeze up. And I actually enjoy making the phone calls because everybody that I've talked to that I've made contact with over the last two, two and a half years, we've had great conversations. Yeah. And also too, because I had sync over the last two and a half years, you have to put COVID into that. Okay. So those numbers are going to be wacky too, because I had probably, I don't know, 30 Canadians who like they were, there was probably at least 10 of them that were ready to buy right before COVID. And that just, that just messed everything up too. I see. 
Okay. Obviously, you love that system, right? Because you're sticking with it for a few years now. And it does generate leads. So can we at least have an idea about that numbers? If I spend $1,000, I get 100 leads or I get 20 leads. Everybody's follow-up is going to be different. We understand that. Yeah, so I'm right now, I'm spending, I think I'm around 1500 a month that I'm spending on that. The reason I decided to go with this system is I firmly believe in, and how I built my own personal business was that it's relational and not transactional. And so mm-hmm. I've never wanted to buy Zillow leads or realtor. I just am not comfortable with that. I like building relationships with people. And my repeat business is huge for that reason. So that's the, the that was the draw for me with Sync. Now, it's unlike Zillow and Realtor, you don't get, you have to nurture them. And it takes a while for that to get up going. But with me, I didn't need those leads. It was just going to be nice to have them. And then I just found out that I didn't have the time to, to put into it. But I do have, when I do make the time, I have great connections and I have people that are, I probably have 15 people right now. The problem here in Florida is that usually the leads that are coming in are people looking for investment properties and second homes. So they're not looking to purchase with a deadline or a house is under contract and we need to find something and be under contract and close in the next 45 days. Gotcha. Typically. So I would okay. say like probably 10% of what comes into sync is that situation, but the majority is vacation homes and investment properties. So it's fair to say that sync generate mostly buyer leads, not seller listing leads. <clears throat> yeah. And they, so when I first, probably for the first year and a half, it was all buyer leads. And then my, my account rep, checked in with me one time and he said, do you want to try the seller leads? I said, sure, why not? So that's a little bit more money. I bumped up my budget for that. And now I get the seller leads. But again, I can't tell you what the numbers are because I've just been so busy with my other business. I haven't even been able to to nurture those leads. Gotcha. So they have a separate offering for sellers compared to buyers. Yes. Okay. It sounds like you've been recruiting and firing in the last year or two. (laughs) So let's split that conversation into two pieces, right? Let's start with the recruiting side of things. What do you do? What kind of activities do you do in order to recruit? Right now I'm not doing anything, but I, again, to me, it's just like my clients and my customers. Like I want to nurture the relationship first because that's going to bring, I don't want that revolving door. I put so much into every agent that works for me. I just can't, it just would be a complete time suck if I put all of this energy and effort and time into an agent and then they left me because they weren't happy with just the relationship that we have. So that that is part of the last two agents that joined me. We were deals on each other's sides. So that right now is my focus. I am doing handwritten letters to agents that I've done deals with that I really like their style. I really like their personalities. So that's just been in the last two weeks. I decided I'm going to do that. 
I gotcha. Okay. And then what's the goal? Five agents, 10 agents, 50 agents. If, if, if I, so I have one agent that works for me, her name is Shauna and she's just excellent. And she's an independent worker, but she wants to know when she came to me, she's worked for EXP. And one of the things she didn't like is that she couldn't have a conversation with someone when she had an issue that came up and she's like, I just don't have time. And I have no interest to put my little avatar in, in line to wait, to ask a question. I, her and I talked for close to a year before she left her brokerage and came on with me. So she wants, basically she's hands off, but she loves the fact that she can call if it's nine o'clock and she has common sense. So if it's nine o'clock at night and I see her calling me, I know she needs me for something. But for the majority of her business, she's hands off. If I could get every one of my agents to be like Shauna, I would have, I would love to have 50 agents. The problem is they're not all going to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm There's I'm, a bell curve everywhere. Yeah. So I'm thinking I would like to do 10, 10 more in the next six or eight months. Okay. And hand letter, handwritten letters is a strategy to get those. Yes. So how does training and retaining look? And that's going to lead us to the firing conversation in a second. <laughs> so what do you do for training? What do you do for retention? Do you do anything for retention? So the training is... Um, the I've had some agents that come over and they're using different systems from other brokerages. So they have to learn Authentisign and Transaction Desk. And for that, there's not from the actual company, Lone Wolf, there's not really good videos, training videos. So I have made a couple of training videos. I share the Google Drive with the new. So they're responsible for training themselves on that. But pretty much Sync has awesome customer support. They have great training videos. So they're just responsible for getting on there and doing those trainings themselves. Gotcha. Okay. And then anything for retention? Do you do any no. company events, any lunches, dinners, happy hour? I don't as, as a whole, as a brokerage, but like I said, all of our I just have a personal relationship with all of the agents. So we do lunches separately. We do happy hours separately. They know that I'm here for anything. We're friends. Yeah, I understand. So now let's talk about firing. Like how many agents have you fired in the last, let's say 12 months? One, two, three. Three. Okay. And what led <laughs> to that firing? Which, by the way, I'm a big fan of. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And you just got to be honest with them. Tell them, look, it, you might be better off somewhere else. So what led to you firing that agent? How did that go about? I had one agent last year that she just wanted to continually talk about her commission split. And she wasn't doing hardly any business. And I just kept telling her, like, if we get to a point that it makes sense to do a different commission split, which what she wanted to talk about continuously is 
the split for the sync leads. Mm-hmm. And she knew she was on an 80-20. So why, I think it all comes down to the firing really came down to two things, which was they were more concerned with the money in their pocket than the value that I was going to give them. And like you said, if it's not a good match, it's not a good match. I just happened to be the one that had to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one that asked for the divorce. And then the second thing is disrespect. I just, I don't tolerate disrespect for myself, for my brokerage or for any other agents in my brokerage. And that was the last one that I had fired. Gotcha. Yeah. A lot of people are focusing on getting as much as they can out of the grape instead of realizing they can have a watermelon. Yes. And it's just, just so sad. Do you want 90% of a grape or do you want 50% of a watermelon? What do you yeah. want? And that's what I want to do. I want to take agents that are doing 5 million and get them to do 10 million. That's ultimately, that's what I would love to do is to step back more from production and just train and manage. I have like one, one of my things is that I'm super creative. I have an art degree and I'm super creative. So I can take a deal that's dying and I can resuscitate it. I do it all the time. And I think of out of the box solutions for keeping a deal going or getting a deal. So that's where really I want to focus when it comes to agents and helping them grow their business. So ultimately that's where I see me stepping back more in production, but getting agents excited that it's not just it's not just a transaction. Like it's just so much more than that. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes to, we get people into the business after they've seen a documentary or a TV show like HGTV or Selling Sunset or one of those scripted reality shows because nothing there is real. And they think that the real world works like this and and no, it doesn't. And that's where you get the frustration. And we do too of agents that refuse to pick up the phone and refuse to make the phone calls and don't do the nurturing. And if it's not a hot enough lead that I can close in the next 30 days, then I don't want to put the effort into it. God knows where I'm going to be six months from. If you'll have that, this attitude six months from now, you will definitely not be part of this business. Yeah. And that's what I think is the toughest thing because when I started, I missed the kids' baseball games, soccer games, the spelling bees at school. I I didn't get to be on the PTO because I was doing all this shit. And it really aggravates me that that an agent will join my brokerage and then expect me to still be doing all the work, but pay them. And that aggravates me that 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 mindset is there, that it's just so short-sighted. And really, I just don't want, I don't want to be around anybody with that energy. It's just not good energy. Yeah. And again, part of the appeal in our business is the fact that you can set your own schedule. You can work things around and you can be your own boss. But at the same time, you can't be a business owner and not work hard. Like that that just doesn't exist. Any business, any small business, and you can talk to any business owner in the country, the first two, three years are going to be hard, very hard. They're going to require a lot of hours. They're going to require a lot of effort. And 
if not you're not willing to do that work and put that time and do that have the sacrifice it's just not going to work yeah and, and the one thing that i'll tell you know newer agents is that if you opened a pizza shop tomorrow would you be able would you have the money to start a entire staff right away and unless you've saved up money for years and years and set that aside for that. But most people getting into real estate, for some reason, they just think they're getting into real estate and in 30 days, they're going to be cashing those big fat checks. And it yeah. just, doesn't, it just doesn't work. And, and without, even without the effort, like I yeah. don't, and I had one agent, she ended up leaving like, over the last couple of months to get to take a training job at another brokerage. With her, I sat her down and I said, you don't want to make the phone calls in sync? Tell me what you enjoy doing and I'll figure out something that works that's going to make you feel comfortable because all I want is for you to be successful. And, and I said, figure out what works for you. And the thing that she enjoyed doing was converting Fizbo's, which is mind blowing. You don't want to call a lead that's already like a warm lead, but you'll call a Fizbo. And she was really good at it. it. Just wasn't consistent. It just wasn't there. And she wasn't making any money. And she got discouraged and ended up taking the job that was going to pay her a salary. Yeah. And that's what happens to 87% of the agents in the business. That's part of it. And yeah, no, there's a million ways to generate leads. There's a million ways to generate transactions in our business. You just got to pick one. And like you said, be consistent about it. Yeah. It can be door knocking, it can be Facebook, it can be expired, it can be a lot of different things. But again, you got to put the effort and you got to be consistent about it. And that's part of the challenge of all of us as brokers have to get the agents to understand that, accept that and actually execute that. Yeah. Speaking of leads and marketing, you mentioned you're using Sync. Do you, what else do you guys do for lead generation as a brokerage? Again, we're a little non-traditional. I've done postcards and mailers and all of that. Nothing. It's almost like that's the secondary part of the marketing. So if I do door knock and people know me and then they get the postcard later, it's just a reiterating that I'm the person that they should call. But I honestly, I get the probably the majority of my leads I get from open houses. So open houses is your thing. And do you do any marketing that is not for lead generation? So I'll give an example. So we'll sometimes <laughs> do Facebook ads or Google ads just for brand recognition. So we'll put our logo out there. We'll put our name out there. Because again, one of the challenges with small brokerages is when you call and say, hey, I'm from Eureka Business Group or whatever it is, they're going to go with who versus mm -hmm. I'm with Carl Williams or Remax. And, and you say the big names, people know the names. It means nothing because we just saw last year, there was a NAR report that like 80% of sellers don't remember who the broker company was. Yes. But regardless of that, at least it's a name recognition in the initial conversation. So we try to do a little bit on the brokerage level where we just get the logo out there. So when our agents say the name or hand over a business card, they go, oh, yeah, I know who you are. I've seen your name. Do you guys do anything, any activity that kind of generates brand recognition? No. And I figured once I did get to a certain number of agents, I would follow through with something like that. I was 
had a couple of conversations with AdWorks. And I don't know if you know how that works, where they'll take, run the Facebook ads. And then I also supply them with email addresses. And from the email addresses, they can track people. They're searching. So if they're every morning, they go to the Wall Street Journal and then they throw the ads. Somehow it's retargeting. Yeah. Yeah, but it's somehow it links through their email. It doesn't actually send them an email, but it somehow links through the email to to target them on whatever sites they set up. And they do, oh, I think they do commercials and they do other things, but they're centered around only branding. Yeah, it's the retargeting campaigns where you go on Amazon and you look for a shoe and then all of a sudden see that shoe everywhere, no matter where you serve. Yeah. Okay, let's talk. Technology stack. What kind of tools do you guys use for CRM, transaction coordination, and else that communications inside the team? What do you guys use in your broker? We use Transaction Desk and AuthentiSign, and they work together and they're both tied to the MLS. The I had a thought. No, the CRM's separate. Oh, so the within Transaction Desk it's set up that I can review all of the transactions. So if I have somebody that's just learning to do the contracts on their own, I can go in and review it and approve it or reject it. So we're just starting to use that. It's a little, it's a little wonky though. I hear that there's a lot better programs out there for that. So the conference that I went to back about a year ago in Orlando with the other independent brokers, it seems that Sierra is what those brokers like better than Sync. I can't speak to that because I've never used it, but that apparently it gives you more options. Our CRM is in Sync. So website dialer, CRM, I actually have a, they have an AI option that texts people within there. And that actually does a pretty good job at starting conversations with people. Yeah. So I think everything, everything pretty much is a lot of our stuff is through sync. Yeah. There's a lot of AI tools coming out recently that are really cool to use and leverage. Have you guys used anything like chat GPT or Jasper or any one of those? Okay. You should definitely check chat GPT out. It's, I keep saying it's somewhere between magic and voodoo. It's really cool. It's definitely helping with SEO. It helps with, if you have an agent that is a little bit worried about how to put verbiage together for a Facebook post or a blog post or anything else, you can go in and the system, the AI will generate the text for you and you can tweak it a little bit. But it's really cool and very helpful. What is, in your opinion, the hardest thing about being an independent book? Somebody asked me about two years ago, what are the costs? What are the responsibilities? And is it worth it to go out on your own? And I told him, I said, if you're just doing it, just you, then the toughest part is you don't have anybody to call to ask a question. You are that person. Yeah. So... That's the toughest part. Now, when you add agents to it, I think that's been the, that's where you get into everything costs money. Everything costs money. It's nickel and dime you to death between the lead generation, the, the email system, whatever. It's just 
be getting nickel and done. But the, my biggest frustration is people that just don't want that they, they get into this. I wish the the say the real estate course. I wish that they got into more real life scenarios. You're going to have to call people. You're going to have uncomfortable conversations and be an adult and you're and you're owning your own business. Like I really wish that there was more preparation for agents that got into the business because uh, which I don't think that's ever going to change because they get to collect the money for every for every person who gets a real estate license. But I just think it's, I think it's just really crappy because if I, and the other thing too, is like brand new agents, they have no idea that every brokerage works differently. So you can't go to one and it's not apples to apples. You could go to five different brokerages and their setup is five different ways and they don't know enough about the business to even ask the right questions to be able to compare what they really need. Yeah, I literally heard a young agent tell me adulting is hard. So I understand what you're saying. And <laughs> adulting and real estate is harder. The reality of our business is that the barrier to entry is very low. You yes. got to be 18 and you got to have about 350 bucks for an online class and pass the test. It's so easy to get into the business and it's carefully going to use the word glamorous on TV. And the reality is so different than what TV shows that it's the only other industry I can think of is Hollywood, right? It looks so easy to be a huge movie star, a big singer, performing artist. And then when you get to the real world and you try to work your way out from singing in the shower to becoming a huge star... It's not that easy. It's just, and that's just the reality. And nobody, you're right. Nobody tells them, nobody prepares them. And for me, when we do recruiting interviews, I literally tell them the truth and I try to scare them away because if they can't handle the truth conversation of 30 minutes with me, telling them how it's going to look like and what's the reality, then they're not going to cut it. So why waste my working with somebody that's not going to cut it? So my... My recruiting conversations are not all fluffy. Hey, sugar coating, come on over. It's going to be great. It sounds like that you're the same mindset that I am. I don't want just bodies. I want, that's the reason why I opened my brokerages. I want to make, I want to change people's lives. I want to help them succeed. And if I'm the one putting in 100% and you're going to put in zero, I don't want your body taking up the space. Because here's the thing. My boyfriend reminds me all the time. They're taking the space up here for you. And I said, you're right. Because I, that my personality is I want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And not only that, it takes time that you could spend on someone that it really does want to succeed and really have what it takes to succeed. So it limits our uh, ability to help more people. So what is the best thing about being an independent broker? It's not all bad. No, it's not. I love it. I wouldn't be doing it this long if I didn't absolutely love it. Um, Again, I'll go back to, I like to change people's lives. And when, for me, it's like a drug when an agent comes to me and says, I've got this problem and I can't fix it. And I can come up with a solution that they fix it. It's, 
that to me makes all of it worth it. And the fact that I only have to answer to the state of Florida. I like that. That's not I bad. like people telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I got the feeling. Yeah. What's the goals 2023? Ooh, I have big goals. I want to That's increase the only kind. Yeah. I want to increase my own production by three times what I'm doing now. And like I said, I want to add on 10 more agents. I want to help them be successful and expand into other areas. Geographic? No. Okay. (laughs) That sounds good. Just a reminder that there is a kind of your own production and more agents. They're pulling in different directions. Figuring out a good way to make those two goals go together is probably one of the big challenges that you'll have this year, but there's no reason you cannot be successful in both. Yeah. So... What would be the best advice you could give an agent that is thinking about making the move, getting out of her existing broker and just going independent? Again, it's different if they're just going independent just to make put more money in their pocket or they're going independent because they want to, they have a desire to help agents and grow a brokerage with agents working under them. But if you're going to do it to help agents, I think it's, really important to do a ton of research and have all your systems set up so that when one person comes in, you're not playing that, that kind of catch up. You're not, you're not learning on the fly because that'll mess with an agent's head. Yeah. If you go down one road and you go, this is the system we're using this week, but next week we're switching over to that. It's bad enough that they don't want to make phone calls. Like you can't go switching systems up on them. Yeah. And the best system is the system they will actually use. So making sure you have the right systems in place is absolutely a a great advice. Awesome. Tracy, just being conscious of your time. If agents in Florida want to reach out and join your team, or if other brokers want to reach out and brainstorm and exchange some ideas, how can people find you? So my website is sellingthesunshine.com or I'm on Facebook. My, I have, um, my brokerage page on Facebook, but you can just look me up, Tracy Miller, broker owner, selling the sunshine on Facebook. Awesome. That sounds great. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Tracy, I want to say thank you for showing up and being on the show. That was really great. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. And for you, the listeners, if you want to hear from more experienced and independent brokers, just go on to our website, go on YouTube, go on iTunes. We're everywhere. Give us a review. We'll appreciate that. And until next time, thank you. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. That was awesome. I learned something new. I hope you did too. And if you want to learn more from our expert, please subscribe to the channel and share with your friends. <laughs>